Yeah, I'm like Neo now. <laughs> oh, that was good. That was good. That's Morpheus. everybody jurassic views courtney wright zaya kuyana bryce diamond here for a league musings type episode with slam magazine canada canada basketball commitments wmba the eastern conference western conference final reviews so much to talk about so much drama in the world and in the association but guys, before we get there, happy Pride and happy Hump Day, as Alex Wan would say. It's a great combo, Hump Day and Start of Pride Month. <laughs> what a way to kick things off. Yes, Courtney, yes. <laughs> uh, happy Pride, y'all. And um, great to have you for the second recording, uh, Courtney. Third. Shoot. Come on, man. Third. Keep up. Oh, wow. I I'm, see how it is. No, no, no. A part of the team? Yeah. A part of the team? Three times. Was I not the part of the first one? Uh, you were there. <laughs> <laughs> I guess not fully there. Clearly, but... I made a really strong impression, obviously. First of all, listeners, <laughs> you may not know, but Courtney was actually, we were uh, in town and we we did a live recording. That is true. And so to me, that kind that of cemented. The, that, that was the baptism. That was, yeah, so that was speak. a full immersion. That was like allowing me to really, you know, center myself in season, in this new season, right? right. Off season, yes. Right. This new kind of wave of. Uh, era. JV era. JV era. era. <laughs> okay, uh, okay. Good save, good save. And so, and so, hence why my count, my, my, my count is a bit off. Whatever helps you sleep at night. Hey, I'll, I'll be in town later this month. So I'll come over. You'll be like, wow, welcome to my home for the first time ever. It'll be great. Okay, okay, okay. Red, red carpet when you come up. <laughs> uh, Courtney, Zaya, uh, so many things around Canadian basketball that I wanted to make sure we got to. Magazine did uh, uh, Magazine Canada did three special cover features led by as uh, a guy we referenced just a second ago, Alex Wong. Uh, he was the editor for for these three editions, and we had people on the cover from our country, glorious country, and including uh, some would say the Maple Jordan of women's basketball, Kia Nurse. Uh, did you guys see this? Did you check it out? How are you feeling about Canadians being on the cover? I mean, I'm stoked. I've been trying not to read too much online because I ordered the print copy and I love having something in my hands that I can read and flip through. So I'm trying not to spoil it by reading the virtual articles, but I'm really stoked. I ordered the Kia, the Kia Nurse cover. I was honestly contemplating buying all three, but I had to bring myself back down to earth. But I'm stoked. I think it's long overdue. At the same time, I'm just really happy that we're here. 
Yeah. You know, if there's any type of um, um, actualization of the golden age of Canadian basketball, it's it, it, it isn't just what happens on the court, but it's also the impact in culture. And I think this is one of the byproducts of it, right? You have a well-known um, writer, sports journalist, um, who dedicates the first edition of Canada and you know features uh, the new wave of Canadian basketball, uh, Shea, Kia, but also uh, an icon in, in Nasty Nash. And so um, this is, it's, it's a beautiful sight to see. And for someone who's kind of grown up in this country um, and seeing the rise of the game, it's, it's only about to get even more exciting. Um, and I'll make another reference to why that momentum is carrying on, but uh, just for Slime Magazine. So for those who don't know what Slime Magazine is, shout out to Scoop Jackson. Um, it was the basketball Bible uh, for, you know, for purists. And, um, and I think one of, especially in the nineties, it had so much rich, both photography and writing. Um, much like print media, it's gone in a different direction. So for us to kind of just add our Canada to add its name um, um, uh, for one of the editions, it's, 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 uh, this is going to be a classic. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, like this podcast, I liked how some generations were brought together. You have a millennial editing a magazine with uh, some, with a Gen Xer on it and Steve Nash, like myself. And uh, then, then you have even the younger generation, uh, which I think is Generation Z, uh, is, is also represented here in, in Shea Gildress. I think Kia is also in that generation with you, Courtney. Uh, so all of our eras are represented in this coming together of a Slam Magazine Canada. It's pretty, pretty awesome. I think the only thing that's missing is a Leo Routens, but <laughs> I, think okay, form, boomer. I think that form, that boomer didn't make the cut. I think Alex was like, ah, you know, Leo, you're great behind the camera, in front of the camera, but you know, we're just due to, you know, just due to limit distribution, we're going to keep it to three. <laughs> I'm now suddenly contemplating everything I thought I knew. I didn't think I was Gen Z. I thought I was on the tail end of being a millennial. Yeah, I think you are. Oh, wow. Like, I know that Bryce, you're, yeah. in the more, you're in the geriatric millennial category, being <laughs> on the tail end on the other side, but I don't want to be Gen Z. That's, I mean, I do think they are cool and badass and paving a way for a wonderful future, but it makes me feel young. Yeah. Which I guess cool. isn't a bad thing. No, no, definitely not. Uh, speaking of Basketball Canada, mm -hmm. the men's team had like a first mind-blowing kind of headline. Um, Nick Nurse leads this uh, Canadian team as the coach. Obviously, RJ Barrett's father, Rowan, uh, is the head of, I believe, basketball operations for it. Uh, I don't know if that's exact title, but uh, Rowan Barrett's in there. Uh, and then you had 11 NBA players 
out of 14 roster spots, 11 NBA players made a commitment, not just to this summer, but for three years, including the world championships and the Olympic qualification, and hopefully the Olympics. From a Canadian basketball uh, perspective, experience as a fan watching this, this is like I'm still trying to process how massive this is. What were your feelings, you two? I'll let you have that, Courtney. Oh, sure. I mean, I'm, I'm struggling for words because honestly, I was stunned. When I saw the headline, I thought that I misread it because it seemed too hard to wrap my head around. And then as I started reading more, I was like, wow, it's, it's bold. I think it's incredible. And I really hope that those players who have committed will follow through with the commitment. Right. And I believe that they will. I know that Nick Nurse was pretty intense in the language he used around the importance of consistency and continuity with the players. And I think that by being so public about it and naming them, there's a certain level of accountability and responsibility that they're going to have because, I mean, public shaming, they're going to get called out. If, they try to, you know, if Honestly, though, if they try to bail, they're going to hear about it from the fans, from everyone in Canada that was counting on them. So I think it's bold. I'm really curious to see if those 11 core players uh, from the NBA do follow through, but I, I think it's necessary. We haven't made it to the Olympics since I was five years old. So I think we're long overdue. And I think that this is the approach that could potentially get us there. Yeah, last time Canada was in the Olympics, uh, Vince Carter was jumping over French seven-footers. That's a long time ago. <laughs> um, and, I, and I think one thing in, um, in defense of the players uh, who have been criticized in the past for not committing, um, are the air is still young. And so many of these players having to make commitments when they're either rookies or within the first three years of the league. And there are so many variables that they're having to consider. Now, if you look at the list, it's a great range of young and old, right? You have Corey Joseph and you have someone like Jamal Murray, which to me, he and Shea are just, uh, right right under that all-star caliber player in the NBA, right? Just ready to, 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 to explode into stardom. But one of the key factors is for them to ensure that they can continue to develop as players. And so when you have someone like Nick Nurse, who, you know, you know player development is in his wheelhouse, that it's not just committing in order for you to wear the maple red and white but it's also for you to continue to develop as uh, as an individual as a player so there's m many interests that can also be uh managed here and 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 going back to that last olympic in which the uh in which canada participated in in sydney and you were five years old uh courtney you would know this but um, uh, Steve Nash uh, was 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 the star of that team, and right around that time, the, I would say that summer, I think he entered into that NBA season with a high octane confidence, and I think he, he was never the same. Uh, he went from that Dallas Maverick point guard who was 
Be, Maybe in a backup point guard. You know, he was he was starting for the that Don Nelson team in Dallas, okay. Okay. and but was getting like just completely slandered from left to right. He comes back. Dallas is not the same, and he's already on track to be one of the best point guards in the league. So there's something to be said about um, Olympic competition and what that does in terms of the development of a player, but also for that confidence uh, that you can't always manufacture um, in the league, regardless of how uh, talented they are. At the end of the day, they're still they're still human beings with feelings, cognitive biases, and so on and so forth. So I'm excited for these guys, and I'm excited as a fan to, to really witness this. Oh, yeah. I mean, speaking of witnessing as a fan, I was looking at tickets today for oh. Dominican versus Canada. One month from today, July 1st, Canada Day game. I'm not saying we have to do a road trip, but I'm saying I wouldn't be opposed. Summer road trips are uh, piling up here. Whoa, cheaper Biden. than an NBA game. It's, it's true, and cheaper than going to New York City for a WNBA game. But regardless, both trips have got to be high on the priority list for Jurassic Views. Uh, was there anyone that you were who, or, or how about this? Who was the player that you were most excited about that made a commitment? Oof, Zaya, you go. Jamal Murray, Jamal Murray, Jamal Murray. Um, he 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 embodies, I think, the, the this new Canadiana swagger. Um, he's a he's a tad bit more extroverted. Uh, than a Shea Gilchrist Alexander. Um, so, um, and, and I think even in his younger years when he was competing against Amer his American counterparts, he knew the, the connotation that Canadian players uh, would get. And so he understood that he was fighting, but also building or re reinventing the Canadian kind of um, persona when it comes to basketball. Um, I, I mean, I love his game as a, as a, as a guard, as a, as a, as a, as a scorer, but also his attitude and his leadership at such a young age. He's probably one of the top players under in, in his kind of under twenty five. So, I pay money just to see that guy play. What about you, Courtney? Well, I think in light of what Zaya was explaining about Steve Nash and what what Team Canada did for his confidence, I'm thinking of Kem Birch. He did not have the season that I was hoping he would have. Obviously, he was struggling with injuries and just a lot of unfortunate circumstances, but I, I know that his confidence was pretty shattered towards the end of the season. Um, and I don't know if this is something that could potentially get him up to a point where he's he is confident going into the NBA season. I'd love to see that for him, whether it's with the Raptors or not. Respect. I like it. From a Raptors perspective, great call. Uh, I think for me, um, you know, I'm also going to be biased, but in a different way. Good to see my Mississauga guys show <laughs> up. Uh, RJ Barrett, O'Shea Brissett. And for me, the, the guy who I was most excited about, Dylan Brooks. Uh, I, I want to see this guy raise his game. I, I want to see him come with the same intensity to the national team that he does for the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, do I want to see him wearing fur coats? I'm not sure. But regardless, uh, this guy, 
uh, his game, his, his, his physical uh, play on both sides of the ball, I, I think that what, that's what makes me most excited. What about the, the person who wasn't on the list that, that got you worried or got you concerned or, or maybe even a bit angry that they weren't on the list? I, mm-hmm. I, actually, I'm going to just go backtrack. Uh, mad respect to Lou Dort, who's also on the list. He Montreal. Yeah. Montreal, Montreal. I'll let your boy. Now to answer your direct question, <laughs> this is just because I've always wanted to slander him out loud. Right, right. Tristan Thompson. Oh wow, Tristan. <laughs> Tristan Thompson. Tristan Thompson. Tristan Kardashian. Tristan Thompson, who who avoids playing for Canada but wants to go out um, and hang out in Beverly Hills with the Kardashians. Now he can do whatever he wants. He's a free man. I just want to. <laughs> slander him. Also, the fact that he was playing for the Cleveland Cavaliers during that era when he was knocking the Toronto Raptors out of the playoffs. And my rant ends there. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you. The last Raptors game I went to was a home game. We were playing the Cavs. Tristan put on a hell of a performance and they beat us. And that was my last Raptors game at home. So he leaves a sour taste in my mouth too. Um, that's fair. I think for me, I wasn't shocked, but I would have loved to see Andrew Wiggins make that commitment at the same time. He's got a lot going on for him. I can definitely understand why maybe this wasn't high on his priority list, but it would have been really cool to see what he would have brought to the team. I agree. I agree. Uh, the guy for me that I wasn't, you know, kind of like you with Andrew Wiggins, Courtney, the guy I wasn't surprised about, but I really wanted him to be there because I think he could uh, be a bona fide star in the league is Josh Primo. Uh, I know he's young. He's only 19, uh, but his mind is older. Right. And he's, he's trying to uh, get better at his craft. And I thought this was a chance to be around some guys uh, from Canada uh, playing for the country, not just, you know, contracts and, and, and for a club. Um, yeah, that that was my guy. I was hoping uh, Josh Primo. I'm only 19, but my mind is older. Um, <laughs> yes, um, but he's also in the San Antonio system, so he's in safe hands. Players uh, that are not currently on the roster that he's he, he's he's in their ear, making sure that they are close to the program. Mm-hmm. And of course, heavy Raptors bias, but Chris Boucher, I think he would have been a lot of fun to see on there as well. Yeah, I, I think you 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 have to make a tough decision, um, and, and and you know the coaching staff had to make a tough decision. Uh, obviously, the players have tough tough decisions, and and Chris being a free agent uh, this summer, hopefully resigns with the Toronto Raptors. I think that's a, a conversation for another day. Uh, but I would imagine that was maybe why he was hesitant to make a three-year commitment. But who knows? Maybe we'll have Chris on the pod one day and we can ask him that question retroactively. Um, guys, let's shift gears and, and talk about the WNBA. Um, you know, lots has happened, I feel, like in on social media in the last few days. But we'll stick to just the, the games and the standings and whatnot. Uh, for me, the Las Vegas Aces are playing out of their minds. They continue to. I think last time we talked, they started the season four and one. They continue to be the best team in the Western Conference. They are eight and one. Uh, 
you'll have to correct me on the pronunciation if I get this wrong, but uh, Aya Wilson is playing at MVP level. Uh, I've seen a bunch of highlights of Aces games and I've seen her stats uh, playing ridiculous. Obviously, Becky Hammond, we know what, what she can bring to the table. She is coaching like a coach of the year. Uh, not surprising, um, but the Aces look really good right now. Um, Connecticut Suns are a standout in the East. Uh, so I'm very surprised about the Liberty. Uh, they look really bad, uh, but maybe they're just having a Boston Celtics start and they'll turn it up uh, next month. We'll see. Who knows? Uh, anything stand out for, for you two? Uh, like you said, the Aces have been so fun to watch, and I love this for Becky Hammond. I mean, they haven't even lost at home yet. It, they are doing phenomenal, and of course, it's early in the season. At the same time, the WNBA season is significantly than the NBA season, which I'm used to, right? So yeah. the fact that they're 10 games in and have lost one, I think it's outstanding. I think it's a lot of fun. I could be wrong, but I've heard Wilson's name pronounced Asia Wilson. Thank you. She has been just phenomenal to watch um just so entertaining um i'm just really excited for them i'm excited for becky i know there was a lot of questioning did she make the right call leaving the spurs she had made so much progress with that team and being a woman in that position but to me i think the numbers speak for themselves yeah for sure I still think the New York Liberty are worth the money. To go and see. <laughs> um, they'll pick it up. They do have some injuries, uh, as I've uh, come to read, and so uh, that's something to to observe from a um, from a distance. But that is one of the impacts, right? The shortened season, and it doesn't give enough time for injury recovery for mm -hmm. these players to return, um, and so. That's always, that is, uh, that will continue to be a main concern uh, for these players, knowing full well that they're also coming from their respective leagues in Europe um, into the WNBA. But um, it's still early and there's a lot more to catch up on. Definitely. It's also been really fun to see a lot of the male athletes that have been showing up to all these games. I think it's wonderful. Yes. I know DeMar DeRozan, whose jersey I am currently wearing, and I believe one of our other hosts is as well. He's been about that for a long time. I know he's been taking his daughters to the games for years, and he was there on the weekend, and I just love to see it. I know it's for the guys, I'm like, oh, congratulations. You're going to watch amazing basketball. Good for you. But what it means to see guys in the NBA and Tom Brady, for example, saying, yeah, this is great athleticism. I think that does a lot for women in sports. So I was really happy to see them there. I've heard there's been some Norman Powell sightings at the uh, Las Vegas Aces games as well. Former Raptor shooting guard. It's kind of nice to see. Mm -hmm. uh, Mahomes, your boy. Yeah. Patty. Yeah. Um, and, and, that's that always they know the cultural capital that they carry and so mm. kudos to them and mm -hmm. um and hopefully they continue uh to uh to social support to their um to their to, to their professional athlete peers mm -hmm. and of course wouldn't be right to talk about the wnba without talking about Brittany griner yes it's now day 104 it was february 17th that she was detained in Russia and she's been there every single day since then. Um, I think earlier this week, if not late last week, Sherelle Greiner, her wife sat down with ESPN and 
I think everyone should watch that interview. You guys, if you haven't seen it yet, I highly recommend it. Um, she just spoke about what she's living through and it was, it was difficult. It was heavy, but I think it was important. Um, and I just hope that as things move forward, that the, I don't know. I mean, I just hope for the outcome of her coming home safely as soon as possible. It's yeah, been well, very difficult. It's uh, yeah. Well done, ESPN, to, to, to give Sherelle the, the air space, the air time, um, to be able to talk from, from her heart. Um, obviously, uh, she's now uh, a graduate of law school, um, so she also probably knows um, all, all the legal ins and outs of this case. Um, but my, oh my, uh, I saw her also calling out uh, the, the president Interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, in social media. I don't know if she did that in the interview as well. Um, but uh, lots of, of work needing to be done. Um, you never know uh, with Russia, um, you know, when you get into these big leaders with, you know, massive egos. Um, you know, if you think LeBron James or uh, you know, Marcus Smart or uh, so, some other NBA player has a big ego, James Harden. Um, if you think they have a, a big ego, obviously Putin does too. And it, it's, it sucks when people's lives, uh, it's, it's one thing when there's a game being played and egos are on the line. It's another thing when people's lives are on the line. Uh, I was glad to hear that the WNBA and the NBA commissioner were working together, communicating together with the White House and the State Department. Because uh, I haven't heard much from the NBA as an association. I've heard some players talk about it. I've heard some uh, media folk talk about it, but I haven't heard uh, the league talk about it much. So it was great to see that Adam Silver uh, was talking about it and was working with the WNBA commissioner. Yeah, absolutely. So important. And I know they've been working with the White House administration. I can also understand where they can't share everything with us at this point. They have to be careful and deliberate about what information they share. Um, but I do hope, I don't expect that Joe Biden is listening to this podcast, but yeah, he has been called out. Sherelle has formally requested a sit down meeting with him. And then of course went to social media and she, I mean, I'm paraphrasing here, but she really posed the question of if this was your person, would you have the same lack of urgency that you do towards Brittany Griner? If this was a person that you loved and cared about, would you wait 104 days um, and I, I think that's important. She also said, again, paraphrasing, but she said, everyone else is counting the days, right? It was day 30, day 60, day 90, day 100. She's counting the seconds. Mm. For us, the days go by and we go, oh my God, it's been another week. I can't believe it. But it's, it's I don't know, it's that reality that these athletes are real people with real families, with real people that care for them and communicate with them. And now that's just completely taken away. So uh, I don't know. I know that we're fairly limited in what we can do, but hope that we'll continue to talk about it and push for it and hope that things get done and she gets home safely. Well said, Courtney. If we're going to have anyone from the White House or White House staff listening to the podcast, I hope it's more of a Kamala 
type character than than a, an old Joe. <laughs> Personally, uh, maybe that's a bias. I don't know. Um, well, uh, as we uh, continue on the podcast, uh, as you've said, let's continue to to have Brittany and and Sherelle in our in our minds and close to our hearts. Uh, but another uh, group that is close to our hearts, obviously the Toronto Raptors. Uh, I've seen a number of things online. Maybe you have too on social media. Uh, some would say our boy. He would say your boy. Uh, Scotty Barnes is in the lab. This guy, what did he take a week off? Two weeks off? This guy just does not quit. Uh, he is working on his jump shot, his perimeter game. He's working on his fadeaway. Um, I don't know if he's doing that while he's watching Jimmy Butler in the playoffs or not, but my gosh, this guy looks like he's already taken a step forward in his progress. We've got guys like Kendrick Perkins saying he's going to be an all-star. How are you feeling about Scotty Barnes right now? <laughs> Elated, excited. I, I mean, obviously I've been desperate for any sort of Raptors footage in the last several weeks. So seeing that video footage of him in the gym was so exciting to me. Um, I We knew that he wasn't going to be an excellent shooter coming to our team. I think that he drastically overshot our expectations. He performed at a much higher level than we were expecting him to. And now even seeing that progress in the offseason has been incredible. Um, there was a breakdown on the Raptors Over Everything podcast where they really went deep into analyzing his shot and what has changed and the mechanics behind his shooting. And he's putting in the work and I just love to see that for him. And I love to see what it will mean for our team. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm stoked to see how he'll continue to develop um, in, in not just in the mechanics of the game, but also um, just his kind of cerebral kind of grasp of the game. The game slows down for him, right, after his first year. So um, I'm quite excited. I don't, I don't know if you were going to bring this up. I don't see it on the list of topics, but um, it is correlated. You know, I'm looking at his usage rate that will go, will compete with a pass, potentially compete with a Pascal and a Fred Van Vliet. And someone that that's usage rate that has kind of decreased in this past year is uh, OG Ananobi. And so there has been rumors <laughs> that he's on the trading block. I don't think that's the case. I think, you know, opposing GMs are trying to stir some drama. Um, but that, that, that's something to, to, to track, right? Um, because um, we don't want to inhibit anyone's development, OG or Scotty. But you can tell that Scotty is, is scaling uh, uh, significantly. And if he adds a jump shot to his repertoire, um, good night, good night, folks. Because uh, if you're going to have Pascal, he um, as your front court uh, creators, and your Fred and, and Fred, for goodness sake, who's been I felt like he's been carrying a gorilla on his back. Um, his usage rate goes down, and um, that also, you know, lowers the risk of injury for him. Our team is going to have a level of potency that. Um, um, 
that I don't know. I, I mean, I'll only use this just for uh, reference, but Golden State of the East, right? In terms of off offensive potency, in terms of an offense and, and a mismatch nightmare. So, um, but uh, I, this guy shows he has that leadership trait. And so um, if he's uh, giving us these off-season trailers, um, I'm getting more excited over that than um, Tom Cruise's new movie, <laughs> <laughs> Top Gun 2. Uh, watching, watching Scotty Barnes in the, in the lab is like watching <laughs> Pascal Siakam uh, Enrico Hines, uh, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. uh, last summer oh, yeah. and, this, and I guess uh, two summers, three summers ago uh, before the 2019-2020 season. Um, and, you know, I talked about the Raptors being like the 2014 Warriors. And believe me, uh, the 2015 Warriors, uh, if we're going to compare this coming team to them, OG Anobi is no Harrison Barnes, okay? And Scotty Barnes is on Instagram, talk about usage rate. This guy's on Instagram in the comments <laughs> section saying, you know, laughing at the at these rumors that are going around. Just incredible stuff. Just shut it right down. I loved that. <laughs> but honestly, it was the same with Pascal last summer. It's now OG where everyone said, oh, he's unhappy. He's leaving. He wants out of here. And I know that there was some tension with him and Nick Nurse and everything. I like to believe that they've put that behind them. But I believe it's all hearsay. Scotty knows best. If he says OG's happy, I think OG's happy. And you know that guy. He's a man of few words. We'll never know exactly what he's thinking. Exactly. That's true. That's true. Um, also, uh, speaking of Pascal, uh, an announcement. Pascal, third team All-NBA. This is the second time he has been in the All-NBA uh, uh, pretty impressive stuff, uh, especially knowing how the fan base has talked about Pascal at various times. What were your thoughts, you two, when you saw Pascal on third team all NBA? You take this, Zaya. I've been talking way too much. You don't know. You don't know much about me, Courtney. <laughs> <laughs> or in the editing room right, of this podcast. Editing, yeah. Um, no. Um, Thank you, first of all. And secondly, um, well-deserved. Um, really proud of how he has maintained a level of um, peace and focus um, in the last two years. It's been a tough uh, 24 months for a lot of people around the world. And for someone like Pascal, I think his uh, struggles were front and center. And... Uh, and the fan base or pretenders out there um, were also, um, you know, create this kind of anti-Pascal animosity that was undeserving. And so how does, what does he do to combat that? He just improves from his last, from his, uh, the last time he was awarded um, all NBA 13 and puts up even better numbers and takes his team um, to compete in game six in the first round against a team that should have been known as a, or was known as a contender. So um, I'm excited, um, I was well-earned. And the scary thing 
about this is that he's still developing. Goodness gracious. So if you thought that, you know, he's hitting his ceiling as an all-NBA third team, and just for the record, that means top 15 in the league. Okay. Haven't we talked about this on this podcast? Anthony Davis. Let's say it again. List. You didn't make the list, Anthony Davis. Um, Paul. Uh, but when you do see him on the court, there's a there's a word that he uses, and I think it's only fair to bring it up. Is joy, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and he also challenged himself beyond the numbers to lead, the lead in the way that he can, that reflects his personality, his character, his personal story, and differentiating himself from a Fred Van Vliet, which is kind of adorned with the crown of leadership. And so I think that's the biggest impact. The biggest impact is how um, he's a testament to his teammates that he was a G League Finals MVP, busted his butt every summer, humbled himself during the regular season, deferring to Kyle Lowry, deferring to DeMar DeRozan, deferring to Kawhi Leonard, and finally getting an opportunity to showcase what he's all about, and and he delivers. So, again, um, uh, it's only the beginning, and it's it's really scary. And, I, I sh- and I'm not saying this to, to, to both you, uh, Bryce, or you, Courtney. I'm talking to those... Um, Anthony Davis stands out there thinking that, you know, that guy is deserving top five in the league. He's not, okay? He's not. Um, I just had to get that out of my system. I love your energy right now. I don't know. I mean, Bryce said he's going to bring some post-convoy, <laughs> anti-convoy energy tonight. I think I'm the one that's carrying it forward. But uh, I had to go to bat for my for my boys, Pascal, because uh, he's, he's deserving of it. Well, someone's got to go to bat for him. You're right. I mean, our fan base alone has been just cruel to the guy, despite every reason he's given us to not just give him a break, but just give him the respect he deserves. Uh, and Zaya, I'm glad that I threw that to you first, because you so eloquently said all of my thoughts in a way that I couldn't quite convey them with so much beauty and thoughtfulness. So yeah, only the best things to say about Pascal. I think you're absolutely right. Like the guy's, he's 28 years old. He's still got a lot of game ahead of him. And I think that he's only going to continue to develop and develop and surprise a lot of us. And I can't wait. He also was recently asked if people would be interested in a merch line because you know he has his ps logo that he's been wearing for years and he said he's contemplating it so again pascal siakam if you're listening pascal's team we want your merch i will buy five of everything i think that would be wonderful i take a medium uh courtney in case you're (laughs) buying something for me (laughs) for everybody you get a shirt you get a shirt you all get t-shirts i take a european small (laughs) <laughs> or an American extra small, dirty Alba small, <laughs> and uh, advertisement spots. You, you know, we'll do it all. Yeah, you. yeah, Pascal, we'll we'll put you, uh, we'll put it on blast in a good way, man. On on Instagram, both uh, in our personal accounts and and on the pod account. No problem, no problem. Uh, there's also somebody else who made third team. It wasn't third team All NBA. It was third team All. NBA defense. Now, this is unofficial because there's only two official all NBA defensive teams. However, by vote, based on the points, 
that players received through those votes. Fred Van Vliet was a third-team all-defense. Now, we can celebrate that if we want. But can we also talk about the robbery, robbery. the criminal activity that existed by Matisse Thibel being on second-team all-NBA all-defense for the second straight year? I don't know what Matisse Thibel has on Kiki Vanderway, on, on Bernie Bickerstaff, on Adam Silver, on whoever the deputy commissioner is. This is preposterous. How is Matisse Thibel ahead of Fred Van Vliet? Can either of you help me out with this? Well, all that I'll say is that 76ers fans were happy that he was unvaccinated and could not play <laughs> against the Raptors due to how embarrassing he was and how much worse the team was with him being on the court. So I will leave it at that. Respect, respect. <laughs> you know what, Thibel has hoodwinked, bamboozled um, the league in thinking that he's an elite defender. At best, he's a mediocre defender. And he's not even, I can't even give him the three and D label because he can't hit a three point shot um, if you paid him and emptied the whole arena and it was just him and the ball boy passing him the ball. Um, he's a good team defender, but that's where it ends. And so a lot of it, as I'm, as I understand, you know, it's reputation. It's, you know, it's who represents you in terms of uh, your sports agent um, and, you know, your kind of media narrative. And so it's incredibly annoying Um and um, we should do better. Voters should do better. Now, on the Golden State Warriors, there's a player who often gets critiqued for getting minutes on the court. And uh, apparently, it's because he has a, a connection, a, a relationship that gets him on the court more. Damian Lee. Is it possible that Ms. T. Steibel through marriage, through bloodlines, is somehow related to someone in the NBA office? Like, this is nonsensical to me. I've, seen, I've watched a lot of Philly games. I watched a lot of Philly playoff games uh, in years past, both last year, obviously, when, when he was playing, and this year. There is nothing impactful that is an, uh, at an all-NBA level for Matisse Thibel. I don't even know if this guy starts on the Australian national team, folks. What is going on? I just am beside myself. All right. All right. <laughs> I, I, I gotta, that same slander energy is popping out. Um, I, think, I think I am going to retire my time from <laughs> addressing anything to do with uh, Thibel for the rest of, I'm going to give myself six months until the start of the regular season. <laughs> and it begins now. <laughs> uh, that said, all, all about the guy who made the second team, Fred Van Vliet was deserving of the top 15 players defensively, certainly a top six defensive guard. He was in the top five in steals. Uh, he was in the top five uh, obviously in minutes played and showing the impact defensively 
that he had. Uh, he had deflected, he was top five in deflected balls uh, as well. This is a guy who's five foot 11 and doing these types of things. This is not a guy with uber athleticism. He's just smart. He has great IQ. Uh, he, he knows how to position himself. And as he said, he's got those pickpocket hands of steel. Um, and he deserves all the accolades that he gets defensively. Courtney, any other thoughts on Fred Van Vliet making the third team? Um, I'm just choosing not to acknowledge most, well, some members of the second team. So in my mind, Fred is a part of the second team. Um, <laughs> I think, I won't say we've slandered Matisse because I think we're just speaking honestly about him and his skill and lack thereof as a defenseman or player in general. But I love it for Fred. The fact that it was one vote, he was on the brink. For me, it's close enough to just count it. And That's exactly. I, yeah, I don't know. I've been, uh, I don't know. I'm my relationship with a lot of Raptors fans has become more tumultuous as the season has ended because I am seeing a lot of Fred slander and that I will call slander because I don't think it's reflective of him as a player, what he brings to our team, but I am seeing a lot of calls for him to be traded. And I say, take a deep breath, give the guy a minute. He was playing like 40 plus minutes most of the season. He's obviously dealing with injuries right now, but I think that if he gets the rest that he needs, that yeah, he absolutely deserves to be recognized as an all defense player. And I think kind of like with Pascal that we haven't seen the best of him yet. Absolutely right. And I'll, and well said. And uh, I do not respond to Raptor fans who slander uh, Fred, Pascal, or you know the list of my roster. Even you come, even even if you go at uh, Champagne, I'll come at you. That's how I. Yeah. Uh, in in some traditions, one that I was part of, uh, every seven to ten years, certain people would take what was called a sabbatical. And I think fans who are slandering Fred Van Vliet, our leader, or Pascal Siakam, a top 15 guy in the league, I think it's time you take a sabbatical. Take a full year. Take a full year. Watch tape. Yeah. Read some books on basketball, uh, <laughs> analytics. Maybe know. play some basketball yourself <laughs> while you're at it. <laughs> uh, it is June 1st. June 1st, as we record this, and at least in the city of Toronto, uh, I know necessarily the case for, for Ottawa, uh, but in the city of Toronto, uh, Pride Month begins today. Uh, that's why we said happy Pride. And because of that, uh, it being June 1st and it's Pride Month in Toronto, the Raptors put out uh, a statement. I believe this is the third year that they have made a statement uh, to speak uh, of uh, the LGBTQ plus community and saying that they are welcome, that they're included. And they've even uh, at various times uh, highlighted um, members of their, their organization who are part of uh, the gay and queer community. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. Um, it, it shows that uh, they can uh, speak uh, to the community, but I think more importantly, they they speak 
from within the community. And that's that's a beautiful and a powerful thing. Uh, as you see uh, this statement from uh, the rafters today on social media, I'm sure there was other places they were doing it as well. Um, usually they put up a pride flag uh, for, uh, out of OVO. Um, what are what are some of your thoughts? What are some of um, yeah your your um, feelings about uh, the rafters doing this? Yeah, Pride Month. Um, I have a lot of thoughts and feelings about Pride Month, and honestly, I could do a whole episode just on that and the rainbow capitalism and all the businesses and organizations that suddenly paint rainbow colors on themselves for one month of the year. But I do really appreciate that the Raptors have been pretty consistent over the last few years about standing with the LGBTQ community. Uh, I also appreciate that the Raptors, at least from what I've seen, don't pretend to have all the solutions. They don't pretend that they're doing everything perfectly and in the best way that they can. But they're at least showing up and saying, we celebrate Pride Month. We stand with the LGBTQ plus community. We strive to replace prejudice with compassion and understanding. So I can really respect that they're saying we're not perfect. They're saying we're going to screw up, but we're here and we're trying and we care. So I do think that's a beautiful thing. At the same time, um, it was very disappointing for me as a queer person at the first day of Pride Month, being so excited to see the Raptors post on social media and then seeing the comments that followed where it's just a lot of stupidity. I won't downplay it and say like, oh, it's just, you know, kids being stupid or oh, it's just boomers that don't know what they're talking about. It was overwhelmingly negative, overwhelmingly critical of the Raptors for doing something so bold and radical as to standing with human beings. So that part of it's disappointing. Raptors fans, I love you. I've been a part of your fan base since I came to exist and I also know that we can do better I know that in sports there is a lot of homophobia there's a lot of transphobia there's a lot of name calling and slurs thrown around locker rooms and stuff like that uh, it's it is what it is at the same time I, I really desperately hope that it's not the way that it will always be I do really admire that the Raptors take strides Again, they're, they know they're not perfect, they're trying, but they're at least putting themselves out there and trying. Uh, in 2018, the Raptors were the first NBA team to actually hold a game with the You Can Play Project. And that's an organization that tries to combat homophobia in sports, tries to make sure that athletes, coaches, fans who are part of the LGBTQ community can still feel safe and included and welcomed within the context of sports, whether it's playing, attending games, etc. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's pretty cool that the Raptors were the first team in the NBA to partner with this organization. It was in 2018 that that partnership kicked off. They've had games with them every year since. I'm, I'm assuming, I guess, that this year we will too. They've just set, they've yet to actually lock down the dates for the game, but I think it's great you know, they're trying. And to me, that's, that's better than doing nothing. Especially in sports, it would be really easy for the Raptors to just accept their place and say, you know, this is just what the sports world is like. This is what it's like being an athlete. But the fact that 
that they are trying and they're stumbling and they're putting themselves out there, especially in light of today, knowing that our community is largely not welcoming of this, I do think it speaks volumes that the Raptors is sticking with it. And I'd love to see them continue throughout the month to stand by their statements. And I hope that when the Raptors admin sees all of these negative comments and criticisms that they don't say, oh yeah, our audience doesn't like this, let's post other stuff. I hope that they will lean into it and have those difficult conversations and offer education and understanding and help sports fans hopefully graduate to becoming more welcoming and accepting and inclusive of the LGBTQ community. So we'll see. I mean, I'm sorry, folks, but queer people like sports too. We really, we do. We always have. We probably always will. And I mean, I guess I'm not sorry, but it's I, I mean, get used to it. We're not going anywhere. I'm, I don't plan on stopping liking basketball just because fans don't want me to. So I don't know. I, I hope that we'll continue to see the league as a whole make strides forward. But at least for now, I'm just I am really impressed to see that the Raptors are standing up in the way that they are. Courtney, uh, agree wholeheartedly. Thank you uh, for saying what you said. Um, thank you for, for uh, you know, calling out the fans um, and pointing out, um, you know, what the Raptors are, are doing and, and the steps that they still need to do. Um, totally agree that uh, sports culture, basketball culture, I mean, even hip hop culture uh, has been homophobic. Um, and uh, that's not the type of culture we want for the for for this franchise, for this organization, for this fan base, but agree with you that uh, some are stuck in ninety five still instead of progressing like the team, I think, is attempting to do. Um, and when you realize how few athletes, male pro athletes, have come out um, and shared with their fan bases the fullness of their humanity, um, it's, it's not surprising that there's an ugliness within sports culture and within the Raptors fan base. Um, but I appreciate your, your courage to be open about your whole humanity, your whole self on the pod. And uh, hopefully, uh, Zion and I and our lis listenership continue to celebrate uh, your whole humanity, but, but also um, the Raptors uh, as players and, and uh, as uh, people who are involved in, in the organization that we celebrate their whole humanity. And, and it seems like the franchise is trying to do that. Um, I'll be honest. Uh, if if a Raptor, um, one of the players came out um, and uh, identified, um, shared their whole humanity that they were um, gay or queer, uh, I think it would be a massive thing for basketball players in Canada. Um, for male athletes 
in Canada for, for Toronto and to push back on uh, the homophobia that exists. It'd be tough. There's no doubt it'd be tough within the NBA and uh, within, as you said, uh, male sports culture. Um, but I, I think it would be pretty powerful. I'm not saying someone has to do that in some fake way. I, I, I just think, wow, if it happened, it would be another revolutionary step, another um, decision of resistance against hate and against fear. Um, yeah, we, the, the organization has a long way to go. There's no doubt. Um, but I appreciate you saying what you did and hope that the Raptors continue um, to move forward um, as they do with other vulnerable or marginalized, marginalized communities um, within community writ large, but within the basketball culture, within the, within, uh, the sport in general. Um, yeah, long way to go, long way to go. Um, if you're listening to this, uh, as a, as a listener, uh, I, I'm sure this is not the case, but if you're listening to this and, and you've, um, you know, you disagree with us, uh, you know, based on what we've talked about in general on this podcast and, and about the gay and queer community, um, this is probably not a good podcast for you. Just saying. Um, but if you do have questions, feel free to, to DM us about um, what we've said. Uh, be curious and, and we can engage uh, with you really easily. Um, yeah, would love, would love to engage with curiosity um, rather than hate and fear. Uh, yeah, well, happy pride to all those, uh, listening. Um, happy pride, uh, once again to you, Courtney and, and to the Raptors community and a special happy pride to those within the, the Raptors organization and to our listenership, um, that are part of the LGBTQ plus community. Um, we see you and we got lot, lots of love for you. Uh, we didn't get to cover the Eastern Conference and Western Conference Finals. Maybe we'll do that in a bit. Um, but, you know, first things have to come first. And, and that wasn't a priority. Uh, the NBA Finals tip off tomorrow, Thursday, June 2nd. Uh, it should be interesting. I'm sure we've, we've got lots of thoughts and, and predictions. We'll get to the Finals uh, conversation. Um, probably after game two. So early next week, we'll do a recording on that. Uh, but until then, enjoy the finals for the NBA. Enjoy more regular season games from the WNBA. And we'll catch up to you soon. Peace.